Good morning, everybody. Merry happy. That's what my wife says. Tell everybody merry happy. We're halfway between Christmas and New Year's, so merry happy works, right? So, welcome to worship. We're glad you're here, um, especially if you're visiting with us with relatives. Um, I hope it's been a great, happy Christmas time for you and that you will have a great New Year's. Um, welcome to those who are visiting with us on Facebook Live and live stream, and also in Bentley. So, hi, Bentley Village people. Um, if you are here with us, welcome and glad you're here. There's been, okay. So, um, I am David Kaiser Cross. I'm the executive minister here, and I work with uh, Reverend Dawson Taylor, who today is preaching at Bering Memorial United Methodist Church in Houston. So, hello, Dawson. Uh, well, hope you do well there. And uh, Sharon is with us today as our liturgist, as well as Pastor Deb. So, we're very glad um, that you are here with us today. Um, so, that's it. We don't have anything going on this week. There was no crisis, no classes, no nothing. So, nothing to report. Um, but, beware... January is coming, the traffic, everything else, and, but also a lot of terrific classes and everything going on in the life of the church. So we'll talk more about that later. So as a mission-focused congregation, let us center our hearts and minds as we prepare for worship. You know, when Pastor Dawson knew that he was going to be gone uh, this Sunday, he would be over in Houston visiting with his family, preaching elsewhere this week. Um, of course, he passed the lectionary readings on to me for today. Now, typically, I love to preach on the gospel lessons. But when I found out that Matthew's gospel lesson for today was on Herod's extermination of the baby boys in Bethlehem, I thought to myself, maybe there's a more uplifting message in one of the other lectionary selections. Indeed, as it turns out, Psalm 148 offers a great message which is kind of slyly embedded within the poetry of its verses. Of course, finding that message, of course, is another matter. We'll see about that in about 12 minutes. All right. Now, as you might have noticed, as the psalm has been uh, read uh, throughout the service, every verse in Psalm 148 begins with the command, Praise God! Now, in Hebrew, the word is hallelujah. The psalm begins with the word hallelujah. And then every time our English translators continue through the psalm, they use the word praise for every verse, which is, of course, the word hallel. All right. Now, I don't know about you, but out there in today's world, if you hear someone say, praise God, or praise the Lord, well, you kind of know where they're coming from, and you may be comfortable with that or not. But on the other hand, we are not entitled to sit in judgment on the author of Psalm 148 because whoever he or she was, they were writing poetry. They were not acting weird. And it is quite likely that they were writing out of a certain kind of inspiration that can only come from being out on a hillside late at night gazing up at the sky. Perhaps you remember 
that you had an experience sometime looking up at the stars and had a certain kind of feeling. So, how is it that this poet can gaze up into the night sky and begin commanding praise from angels and from the sun and the moon and the stars and the galaxies? And, of course, the poet doesn't stop there. With his imagination, he conjures up images of his own terrestrial world, commanding praise from the realm of creation itself. So this poet touches upon oceanography, meteorology, geology, and biology. And the poet calls all of these things to praise God. Hallelujah. So that introduces two questions. First, how is it possible for anything in the universe to praise God, especially if those things are inanimate? And secondly, why would God require praise in the first place? Isn't God above needing our praise? I think for a human being, it is possible to praise God the same way one would praise someone with whom you have a relationship. So first, you would notice and become aware of something that that person has done, something they have achieved, or something they have become. And then you offer a positive verbal comment about that person. It's, it's, more, it's more powerful than a compliment. Because a compliment is typically offered for certain attributes, such as, oh, nice hair, or nice tie, or good work, or something like that while praise is offered for the whole person. But what about the sun and the moon and the stars? How could the poet demand praise from these kinds of things? And what about all the non-human aspects of nature that this poet mentions, from ice and fire to mountain and ocean, fish and animals? How can any of these things offer praise? Back in November, we were privileged to host Dr. John Hott. He is the author of dozens of books about science and faith. And he tells us that the story of our universe is a story that is still unfolding. It's still unfinished, with every element of the universe contributing to the divine drama of life as God continues to create. Dr. Hott and the writer of Psalm 148 would stand together and tell us straightforward that the primary praise that the universe can offer its creator is simply to be and to do that which is created for. There's nothing more that is asked or demanded from the universe than for it to be and to become what God has intended from the beginning and envisions to the end. Now, that, that was a mouthful, so let me go back and read that sentence again. Hold on to it, all right? There is nothing more that is asked or demanded from the universe than for it to be and to become what God has intended from the beginning and envisions to the end. So hang on to that now. 
What if we were to take that idea and apply it to ourselves? What would that look like? You know, I don't know about you, but so many of us grew up with the idea that God was some angry entity up in heaven and that there was basically nothing one could do short of qualifying for sainthood to measure up to divine expectations, which included despising ourselves and our human natures. But is it possible that the primary praise that this poet is commanding from you and me is simply for us to be and to become the persons we were created to be? Could it be so simple as to go back to the book of Genesis to find out that we were created to be caretakers of each other and to be caretakers of the planet we have been given? Could it be that the conversations that God had with Adam and Eve out there in the cool of the evening in the garden are a symbolic reminder that it is just a simple, honest conversation, not pious prayer, that God wants with each of us each day? If we can accept the idea that praise arises from our created ability to be aware of what God has done and is doing in our lives, then that is what the poet is asking from us. And not only from us, but from every aspect, every element of the universe. Of course, that leaves us with the second question. If God is God, why does the poet command us to praise God? Why would God require praise in the first place from people like us? Well, I think part of the answer is that praise is not required by God at all. It is, in fact, a human response to what we see and perceive as God's doing in the universe. Remember that the primary praise for us is to be and do that which we have been created for. But there is still within each one of us the natural impulse to give God credit for being God and to feel a sense of gratitude that God is doing for us that which we could not do for ourselves. There's a contributor to one of my morning devotions, a fellow from Alaska by the name of Ray Beckley. He writes a thought about Psalm 148. He writes, Perhaps God is not a seeker of praise, at least as we define praise, but a delighted in our delight God, the giver of good gifts, sometimes standing just out of reach, waiting for us to recognize God's glory, God's brilliance, and to say, Ah, Hold that idea in your heart for a moment. Not a God who requires your praise, but a God who is delighted when you feel delighted in what God has done. Ah, 
is a good word for the feeling of wonder and gratitude. Glorious is a good word when the sun dips below the horizon and the moon rises and the clouds turn into a kaleidoscope of colors. Precious is so often the first word I hear when someone first sets eyes on a newborn baby in its mother's arms. Awe is a quiet exclamation when we witness an act of love and compassion. There's another word that someone taught me. About 15 years ago, a woman marched into our church office. She said, give me something to do. So we did. For years, she came and she folded bulletins and she stuffed envelopes and did all sorts of miscellaneous tasks. On top of that, she added her sparkling British personality to our staff. And she was both magnificent and maddening at the same time. She was one of those people who could tell you to go jump in a lake and have you looking forward to the swim. <laughs> and every time that she showed up, I would say, good morning, Linda, how are you doing? And her response every time was brilliant, just brilliant. Oh, she took part in so many of our classes and our retreats. She just exuded a deep and authentic faith in God. So after some years with us, suddenly she began to miss some of her days in the office. And, well, we learned that she wasn't feeling well. And after a time, we found out that Linda had terminal cancer. But looking weak and fragile, she would still come into the office. As usual, I would ask, how are you feeling today, Linda? And still she would say, brilliant, just brilliant. How can I help you today? She would ask. There are so many words we humans could use to offer praise to what God has done and is doing, both in our lives and in the lives of the people that God gives to us each day. But I like the word brilliant partly because it's not sentimental religious verbiage, but because the word hallelujah comes from a root word, which means to shine. And so as our souls cry out, hallelujah, it becomes a call to recognize God's brilliance in the universe, in our world, in our lives, no matter what happens. No matter what the new year will bring, no matter the joys and sorrows that lie ahead, and they do, I invite you to join with the sun and the moon and the stars and the galaxies, to join with the mountains and oceans, to join with the beasts and the birds, to join with all creation to shout out, or perhaps just to whisper, Hallelujah. Brilliant, God. Just brilliant.